Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Now I want to preach a message. We're starting a brand new series today called Salty. Somebody say Salty. Oh man, that's really good. Studio audience, you're great. Oh, go to GoPro. We have a camera up here too. Look at this. Did that, they're like, hey, it's a little, it makes me look skinnier from up there. And uh, we're doing a series called Salty. And before we go any further, let me just tell you real quickly, I want you to do three things for me. Number one, if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube page, that just helps boost the message. It lets people know, oh, we're here and we want you to be a part of it. Number two, take a moment right now, swipe over to Facebook, upload it and share. Say, type, this is going to be a great message. You don't want to miss it. You're going to want to make sure you tune in. But then the last thing I want you to do is make sure you're watching and have your cell phones with you. You can follow along our sermon notes in our app. It's awesome. You don't want to miss it, but keep your cell phones handy because we're going to reference those uh, throughout the service today as we are unpacking the brand new series, Salty. Uh, Turn to somebody in your watch party and say, you salty. If you're at home by yourself, uh, like just text a friend, you salty. And, and for those of you that are boomers and you're like, what does that even mean? It's a, it's a term that means you're upset over something and you're slinging a little bit of an attitude. But what's really funny is that all you millennials and Gen Zers, you don't even realize that this term has been around for decades and really came, uh, originated in the U.S. Navy and it was describing disgruntled senior sailors who had just been around for a long time and been on a lot of tours. I don't know why they talk like that, but they do. And and we're just salty. And uh, today I want to talk to you about this. Uh, you know, if you use the term salty, it's not a term of endearment, but rather it's kind of calling you forward out for being a punk. But Jesus uses this term uh, only the, there's a different inference. Somebody say different inference. It's hard to say those two words back together, back to back. What? I can't even talk back and forth, back to back. I'm having a hard time even just talking right now. But our theme scripture for this series is Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. And it says this, you are the salt of the earth. Somebody say, you're the salt of the earth. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. You are the salt of the earth. So let me just tell you who he's writing to. If you're watching and you're a Christ follower, he's writing to you. Let me say that again. If you're watching and you're a Christ follower, he's writing to you. If you're watching and you don't know what you believe, not sure if you're in on this whole Christianity thing, then you get a hall pass. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this message is for you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. And you, listen on verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bushel or a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Some of you are thinking of the song, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Come on. This little light of mine, stop it. Let's pray. And let's dive into this message called Salty. Bow your heads, close your eyes for 15 minutes and seven seconds. It's gonna be a miracle if I can preach that fast. Let's pray. God, we invite you into this place and into that place. 
wherever people are watching, we just invite you right now to show up and do what only you can do. Be a miracle working God. God, we echo the words of the song that we just sang earlier. We need a move. Not, not a move of politics, not a move of an organization. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. You do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody shouted. Amen. Or if you're by yourself, typed amen and I'm alone. And we'll send some friends out immediately. <laughs> Let's talk about the significance of salt. Let's talk about being salty and what the inference is that is found all throughout Scripture. In fact, we see salt used on a regular basis all throughout Scripture. And we see the relevance begin to emerge as you study the Scripture. I want to give you a couple of examples without taking too much time. But often in Scripture, and as we know, salt is used as a preservative. Salt is used to preserve foods to make them last longer. And often in Scripture, God illustrates through salt his desire to preserve the gospel or the good news of Jesus through you and me. So when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, hey, I'm going to preserve the good news throughout the course of humanity through my people who are the salt. Salt is a preservative, but salt was also a symbol of permanence. In fact, God used salt as an illustration of permanence in regards to his covenant with his people. Now, we don't use words like covenant very often anymore. In fact, if you hear the word covenant, you probably think of something like a cult. But back in the day, the word covenant was stronger. Today, we use words like contracts. But all of us know that contracts can be broken. We've been a part of contracts that have been broken. But a covenant was stronger. And God made a covenant with his people. That's you and me for followers of Jesus Christ. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will call you my people. I will give you a promised land, a purpose to accomplish. That was God's covenant and is God's covenant to us. And he actually referred to it in the Old Testament in Numbers as a salt covenant. It was showing his permanence with his covenant, but he re-illustrated this through one of the prophets in the Old Testament. It's a book you probably never read, referred to as Hosea. Now here's the interesting part of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet of God. God spoke to him, to the nation of Israel. But the unique thing about Hosea is he was married to a prostitute. And he found her and rescued her from prostitution. But as it is with so many of us, she kept going back to her old lifestyle. And God told Hosea, even though you can, according to biblical law, divorce her, I want you to stay with her. And he would rescue her from prostitution, from the grips of horrible men over and over and over again. Because God was using Hosea to remind us of his covenant that no matter how often we wander, no matter how often we stray, no matter how often we choose our own way of life, he will always rescue us. His promises never fail. His covenant is permanent. You can't look at God through the lens of the contracts you've signed with people who have broken those contracts because that's not God. So when he said it's a salt covenant, he was saying, hey, I ain't going to change. Turn to somebody and say, God, don't change. No matter how many times we reject him. But we also know that salt purifies. 
Now, during COVID, I put on the COVID-15. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? You stay in, you just gain weight. We were cooking every meal at home. We weren't eating out, and I just got into cooking some dope ribeyes. I'm talking like some of the best ribeyes you've ever had. I actually reversed here and cooked them in the oven. It was beautiful. That's not important. Let's talk about what I want to talk about. Before I would cook them, I would sprinkle salt on both sides of the steak, and the reason you do so is the salt pulls out the moisture from the steak. The salt pulls out the moisture from the steak. It's removing what you don't want to be in the steak so that when you eat the steak, it's even better than you thought it would be. And that's what salt does, it purifies. So when Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, he was saying, hey, live a pure life because you're setting a standard. It extracts the things that we don't need in our life. And if you are alive today and you think that you have arrived and everything is taken care of, my friend, you are wrong. None of us have arrived. All of us have things in our life that we want the Holy Spirit to remove. We say it all the time, to rearrange the proverbial furniture of our life. Say, God, okay, man, I, I, I know there's some things, maybe some pride, may, maybe it's the areas of lust, maybe it's judgmental attitudes, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's anger. There's things that we want God to remove. And one of the things that salt does, it purifies, and I think that's what God wants to do in our life, is to remove some things from our life so that we can actually set the standard. But salt also flavors. Can I get an amen? You ever had eggs with no salt? It's like you wanna throw it at the chef. They're horrible. <laughs> Salt also flavors. When I sprinkle like salt bay, the salt on my steak, not only does it pull the unnecessary moisture out, it locks in the flavor. And something happens when you and I allow the Holy Spirit to remove the junk. Man, it locks in the flavor of walking in righteousness. This is the biggest challenge for us as Christians is that we, we're torn between doing what we want to do and doing what God wants us to do. And, and we all know that when we walk in a path of righteousness, when we walk in the life that God's created us for, there's just something about that life that's so much better than anything else that I want contrary to what God wants for me. And that's what God wants to do in our life. And I think that's what Jesus was saying when he said, you are the salt of the earth. Somebody say Flav of Flav. That has nothing to do with my message. I just wrote it in my notes. <laughs> we read about someone who experienced the hope of who Jesus is. And it changed his life. And he flavored his world. And we read about this in Luke chapter 5. And the person referred to is Levi, but he was also referred to as Matthew, one of the tax collectors who became a disciple of Jesus. And look at what we see emerge in his life. In, Math, in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32, it says, And after this, this is Jesus, he went out and he saw a tax collector. Let me push pause. Tax collectors were the outcasts. They, they were downtrodden. They were, no, the, the Jewish community hated tax collectors. They were sinners and reprobates. And Jesus went out and he found a tax collector sitting at the booth. And he said to him, follow me. 
And leaving everything, he, being Levi, rose and followed him. Look at this. And Levi made him, Jesus, a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. Listen to this. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at Jesus' disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and the sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Three things happen in this text that's quite interesting and, and I think important for us to tune in and lean into three things in this text. Number one, Levi experiences life change. Now we know he probably had had encounters with Jesus before, but Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, come follow me. And there was something that took place in that exchange where Levi said, okay, I don't want this life anymore. I wanna follow you. And he followed Jesus. Now you might be watching and have had a moment like this, but look at what Levi's response was. He had an exchange, an encounter with Jesus, and immediately he threw a party. And he invited all of his tax collector and sinning friends to the house. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this. I would imagine he cooked some amazing ribeyes. The Bible doesn't tell us, I'm assuming. And, and we don't know all of the subtext, but here's what I picture in my mind. Here's Levi, a tax collector, who is an outcast in the society he grows up, up in, considered a sinner. Nobody wants to talk to him, so he naturally builds a community with other tax collectors, other outcasts, other sinners, people who are not accepted by a society of faith. And he encounters Jesus, and something changes on the inside. Because when we get around Jesus, you can't help but to be healed. That's why the answer today is Jesus. And something changes as he says, man, I've got to invite my friends. They've got to be a part of this. They've got to know what is happening. They've got to see and meet this Jesus. And Jesus shows up at the house and he brings his disciples and he says, hey, let's just hang out and spend some time and and build relationships. And as is common in those days, the Pharisees showed up as well. And they watching Jesus walk around and spend time with sinners and reprobates. And the religious, faith-filled people stand back in the corners and point the finger of judgment. And are like, what are you even doing while Jesus shows up and he says, hey, I'm here for these people. The other thing that we see take place is the religious folk freak out about who Jesus was hanging with. He was hanging with sinners. He wasn't there for the people who were full of faith. That's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? Jesus didn't show up for the people who were full of faith. He goes to Levi's house and he's surrounded by sinners. I think in my mind, if I was Jesus, I would be thinking, this is awesome. This is why I'm here. This is what I came for. And the religious folk freaked out. Now, you and I, we, we, would, we know better. We wouldn't do that, especially right now. We won't say or cast judgment. But what the faith leaders were doing was circling the wagons, 
We're going to keep all the sinners at bay. We're going to stand away from anyone who could be dangerous, anyone that could be harmful. And you know what? We'll keep them over here. We'll circle the wagons right here, and we'll keep our community of faith leaders. So today, if you or I struggle with this pharisaical mindset, it probably won't surface as much through the lens of judgment. Let me tell you how it might surface when you hear us talk about re-engagement and going to pop-up campuses. Well, I don't want to go to a different campus than my friends. Well, why can't we just go back to normal? Can't we just find a place where we can all be together again? And we miss the moment that we are not here just to circle the wagons and create a safe place for people who have already been found. And that's where Jesus' message shows up. He hears the Pharisees grumbling and complaining, and they didn't even have the courage to come and say it to Jesus. They went to his disciples. They went and spoke to everybody else complaining about Jesus, and Jesus being the creator of humanity, hears it, and he looked with compassion, and he said, hey, a doctor is not there to help those who are healthy, but he's there for those who are sick, and so the Son of Man is not here for people who already know God. But I came to find those who are hurting and broken. And Levi encountered Jesus and he threw a watch party, if you will. If COVID-19 had been on that day, then Jesus would have showed up on Zoom. And they threw a watch party. He didn't throw a watch party just for his friends. He threw a watch party who, for people who haven't been found yet. Why? Because when Levi encountered Jesus, something changed. Jesus flavored his world. I wonder where we've lost sight of what it means to be a Christian. I wonder where we've lost sight of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Why have we made faith and church about me? It's not even about that. We don't worship so that we can play great music. We worship to exalt the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the only one worthy of our praise. Why? Because He pulled me out of the muck and the mire. He pulled me out of the filth of my sin. He saved me and He set me free. Why? So that I can salt the world, so that I can bring flavor, so I can walk in righteousness, so that I can be the light of the world. Why do we lose sight of the mission of Jesus? Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I've called to come the sinners to repentance. Jesus points us back to his mission. For the people who feel like giving up, for the people who feel broken, for the people who feel rejected, for the people who feel like outcasts, for the people who feel like they don't belong, for the people who feel forgotten, for the people who are just thinking through the choices you made last night, and, and you hate the choices that you made. That's who Jesus came for. Not for those that have got everything put together. Not for those that have everything aligned. Not for those who have the presentation and the appearance of perfection. But for people who are just desperate for hope and healing. Here's what I know. Some of you watching today, you haven't had an encounter with Jesus yet. You may have encountered church. You may have encountered religion. You may have encountered Christians. But you haven't had a moment like Levi where you truly encountered Jesus. 
and you didn't become perfect but you, you this encounter changed something on the inside and that's the most terrifying thing to me here's the truth that I could share, I know that there's a lot of people watching today who are my friends who call the Movement Church home, and I'm grateful you're here. I'm grateful you're plugged in, but this message is not simply for you. It's for the person who's watching who hasn't said yes to Jesus yet. We're headed at life speed towards eternity. This life will end. There will be decades in the future that COVID will be but a blip on the radar and then we'll die and stand before Jesus. And I don't wanna go there without taking as many people with me as I can. And there are some of you who are watching right now and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus and that's why you're here today. I'm gonna push pause on the sermon and talk to you for a moment. If you've never made the decision, you don't have to get everything in order. You don't have to join the movement church. It doesn't matter what state you live in. It doesn't matter what device you're watching on. It's simply saying, Jesus, I'm gonna give you my life. In a moment, I'm gonna give you a chance to do just that. I'm gonna pray a prayer. And I wanna ask that as you're watching, you make the prayer, I pray your own. Make the prayer, I pray your own. And listen, some of you watching pray a prayer like this. But since then, you've been running from God. Perhaps you've slipped into the pharisaical mindset that Christianity's gotta be all about me. You've forgotten the mission of Jesus. You started living life how you wanna live it. If that's you, maybe today is the day to pray that prayer as well. So if you're here and you've never made that decision or today you need to make the decision again for the first time in a long time, pray with me. Bow your heads right now where you're at in your watch parties, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're watching by yourself, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm gonna pray a prayer and you just make this your own, maybe in a small whisper, the quietness of your own heart. Just say, dear God, I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. I feel so distant from you and I need you. Would you forgive me? And now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.